Welcome Travelers Blueprint community. I'm Elliot Shibley and here with me as always is the unbelievably calculated Bob Demena. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So I was thinking, when are we going to know if we have said the same one again? I'd probably call you out. Yeah? You think you could remember that? All no. Of the, uh, no? Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. So it'll be funny to see when that happens. Anyway, um, before we get into what we have going on in the show today, we just want to thank everybody. We've been doing this. We've been making a habit of thanking people on our episodes of as of late. And it, it's very sincere. We really do appreciate the time that you take to listen to our episodes. Uh, it goes a long way. We can see our downloads. We know you're listening and we sincerely really do appreciate it because we know that there's so much for you to listen to out there that the fact that you're spending your time listening to us means something to us and it inspires us to continue on with our podcast. So thank you. Thank you very much. And Elliot, what else do we have going on? Uh, so we did recently, as we mentioned before, we began collaborating with um, Adelson of Minivan of Memories. He's got a great platform, kind of like what we're doing, but in written form. So we've started to kind of take on some of his previous passengers and look towards him for new content, new ideas. And we've been sharing some of our past uh, interviewers or interviewees uh, with him. And he's been kind of posting their stories. And it's a great little way to share and relive a travel experience and as a way to also thank you guys for listening to us and uh, always leaving a review I do want to take a quick moment to read a review from WSOP blows no idea if I'm saying that right whatever it is it's great so this person wrote all the content which I've been able to listen to has been phenomenal. Premium material that truly deserves more recognition. I am happy to have gotten to know one of them. He is truly a good person. So cheers and good luck. I wish him and the others nothing but success. I have no idea who that is. Do you know who that is? I do. Yeah, it's a friend of mine. It is. Ah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They, I don't know. I don't know why they'd be saying that about you. Because he's he's right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So this episode is brought to you by Spaceship Loans. Are you tired of steaming milk, being a barista, deferring on your student loans? Do you wish you could beat Elon Musk to the moon? Look no further with Spaceship Loans. Our program allows you to lease a spaceship for 18 months, no money down. One day, you'll have a spaceship of your own, complete with Pinterest, set-up living room, modern decor, and your own golden retriever that you can take care of and put on Instagram for at least the next five years until you get bored and realize you're paying too much for dog food. It's time that you become the millennial that you've always dreamed of being. It's time to feel the G's with Spaceship Loans. Ooh. Chills. <laughs> We're getting paid a lot of money to, to say that. So much. Yeah. 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 But we truly do believe spaceship loans are the wave of the future. Oh, yeah. They're the number one company out there. Definitely get one. Yeah. So today's guest recently reached out to us and expressed interest in our show. And speaking of finances and loans, um, he's actually told us a little bit about his decision to quit working at his job on Wall Street and kind of start up a traveling and finance blog. He currently is based out of Chattanooga and travels from there fairly regularly. 
Um, so our guest today is the creator and curator of Cross Traveling. So without further introduction, please welcome Grant Cross. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Grant, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you on the Traveler's Blueprint. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Bob and I are really excited. We, uh, You actually reached out to us, and we were very excited about that. Um, given your background in finance and the fact that you quit your 9-to-5 job working mm-hmm. in finance in the financial right. sector and started to travel. And so you've mm-hmm. now kind of married those two your past experiences with your passion and you've started this travel blog and finance blog to kind of help people build up investments or finances enough so that they can travel the the way they want. So why don't we just get into that? Like, how did you learn to invest so that it could help you travel more frequently and maybe a little more luxuriously? Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) this is, this is funny how it all kind of came together. Uh, I, I, I had no idea, you know, about the whole traveling. Like, this wasn't even in the works back when I started. You know, I was going through school, went to University of Tennessee, and, uh, you know, kind of really got lucky. Got a job in New York working for UBS Investment Bank and, uh, you know, lived up there for a little while and relocated to Nashville. And I just remember, you know, I remember sitting there. I had a corner office, okay, and this was right by the window, and I had a standing desk, so I would... And, and, and I was against the barrier, so I could look back and see rows of just people behind me. And I remember sitting there thinking, this was probably a year in, you know, and I knew something was off a couple months. I mean, it didn't take long, right? Uh, I, I knew I just, I didn't feel happy. And, uh, and it wasn't a feeling of entitlement because, you know, you guys are going to have rough days doing the podcast. And I mean, it's, it's going to happen no matter what you do. You're going to have rough days. But when it's nine out of 10 days, when it's 10 out of 10 days, you know, when it's every day, that's, that's usually a clue that something's, that something's wrong, that you're doing something a little off. And, uh, and I just remember looking outside going, what am I doing? I'd, I'd turn back and I would just see people just hunched over their computers, just, you know, 10 to 14 hours a day. And I just remember thinking to myself, I don't want to be doing this. Like, this is just miserable. And I left. And this is it's funny how this happened. I left and I took another job in equity research like a month after, thinking that this new position was just going to be something different. You know, it was, oh, this is going to work out. Um, this is maybe this is meant for me. And it turned out it's the exact same feeling happened. It, it was not too long after where I was just miserable every single day. And, uh, and it was at that point I was like, you know what? I and we could talk more about this. I, I was I saved up enough financially uh, to where I was able to to afford to leave, and uh, and that's when I, I I started traveling, and you know I, I wanted to combine um, teaching people not only about finance but teaching people about the world around them, and, and to to kind of say, hey, listen, you know, you only have one life, and that one life should be enough, though. You know, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you should look back and say that one life was enough. I, I, I did what I wanted to do. And sitting behind a desk for me for 14 hours a day was just not going to cut it. And so I wanted to teach people about finance and help people invest and also to travel, you know, the world. And so that's kind of how 
you know, that's kind of how my journey started. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. So uh, that reminds me of like a quote that I saw one time that I love. Um, It's, you only have one life to do everything you'll ever do, plan accordingly. (laughs) And that's what that sort of reminds me of. But so can you- can you take me to maybe the the weeks or the day leading up to when you actually quit your job? This had to have been maybe scary, I'm sure exciting, but can you break down some of the details of the actual planning there? Yeah, dude, it, it, it was, it, there was no scared about it. I was just so excited to leave uh, because I was just, I was so unhappy. You know, if, if it was something where I was, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe there's some enjoyment in it. It may have been hard, but for me, it wasn't scary. Um, I and and this is something when I say, how do I recommend you know to somebody who wants to leave that nine to five? If they're absolutely miserable, how do you go by doing it? Well, for me, the first step, at least from what I did, was just to make sure you're financially secure to last you at least three four months. I mean, you, you need at least a good cushion if you want to make that leap um but you know if it's something to where because everyone's different right you might have some people might have a family some people you know might have college debt some people might have loans so it's 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 hard just to quit cold turkey um i can only speak on behalf of my own case but it's if i had someone that said you know hey i have this idea uh, maybe I want to start my own business or my own podcast like you guys, and I really want to leave my nine to five. How do I do it? Well, if you're not there financially, if you don't have that buffer, you know, what I would say to those people is continue working in that job while you can. It might, it might suck. I mean, absolutely, but do it and save up that money until you're able to have that cushion but also, you may be able to a point where you're bringing in money from the podcast. Let's use that as an example. Then that could be a perfect time to make that leap. You know, but I would never recommend just quitting cold turkey with no cushion or with no side hobby that's starting to bring in income because that's just, it, it may sound good in theory, but it's going to wind up you know being pretty hard. I think millennials, the our generation is very interesting. Um, and I know I have some millennial tendencies as in mm-hmm. like, I really want to travel. I don't want a huge house. Um, right. I, uh, some of those, like I want a little bit more freedom. I don't necessarily want a steady nine to five job. I want some flexibility when it comes to my work hours. Mm-hmm. And we are living in a gig economy now where everyone's mm-hmm. trying to find like a side hustle to kind of supplement or maybe even replace their main job. Mm-hmm. And when Bob and I started this, it was kind of like, yeah, it would be nice if this eventually led to something a little more. Um, sure. But now, as it stands, we're just having a lot of fun talking to people like you, learning more about travel, learning more about financing. And millennials don't really want things, and they want the experience, but it's so hard given the overwhelming amount of debt that most millennials have graduating yeah. Yeah, uh, out of it, a man, it's, it's, yes, it's difficult. I think the average student debt now is climbing up to about forty thousand. Uh, I don't think it's quite there yet, but I know the 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 total debt's about one point five trillion, uh, it's, and it's, 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 it's climbing. It's climbing. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's nuts. But you know, I know Gary V. I don't know if y'all watch Gary V. at all. Yeah. But he he he's a pretty good guy. I listen to, and I think he helps out a lot of people. But he speaks about this: if college is really worth it, and you know, at first. 
I think we live we live in this this society where we want we live the life that society wants us to live and not the life we want to live. And I think that's changing a little bit. But for the most part, people are so scared because they have family that are telling them to go to college. You have friends that are telling you to go to college. And if you don't, then you failed to a lot of people's eyes in your mind. You haven't you haven't lived up to societal standards. And this is this is pretty hard, you know, because if you if you're coming from a place that's not an Ivy League school and or or a top ten school, it's I mean it's it's tough, man. I mean even coming from Tennessee, like I was probably one in a, a couple thousand that got the opportunity that I got. Um, but it was it, it's really hard out there. And if you're not wanting to be a doctor or a lawyer, um, that is a conversation that that I have started to entertain if it's actually worth it in the end. You know, I think Gary V has some good points, but, you know, going back to what you were saying about millennials, it's um, when I worked in equity research. So basically I just, I researched stocks uh, in the building products sector, as well as recreational vehicles. And what I would see is more and more millennials were buying RVs at a faster pace than ever before. And which is pretty interesting because that could tell you that they're wanting that lifestyle of just buying an RV and just getting out and traveling and not doing what, you know, society kind of have taught them to do all those years. So going back to your point, that was an interesting thing that that uh, that I found. Yeah. And it's I I mean, we mostly grew up uh, with the start of the Internet becoming more mainstream. So. Mm -hmm the world as the internet grew the world got smaller and we were able to pretty much reach out to places that we've never seen before never heard of and we also have access to millions and billions of voices now that we would have never heard of you know pre-internet so we have all of these ideas and notions of what is acceptable what is normal and it's all I think our generation, it's really changing because prior to us, like our parents, the baby boomers before them, they really, the working lifestyle, that was, that was pretty much it. That's Mm -hmm. all they wanted. They didn't necessarily want to travel. They didn't necessarily want to have the flexibility. The, the ideals and American dream, I think is changing. And Mm -hmm. like, to your point about RVs, like tiny homes, that boom is happening oh, yeah. right now. It's it's oh, yeah. kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's it, that's something that that you see popping up quite a bit. And you know, back in back then, it was you, you had a job and you worked in that same job for you know fifty years. I mean, that that was it. At least with my parents and, and their parents, it was you got a job, you provided for your family, you stuck in doing that, and then that was your life, right? Well, now there's so many different ways of making money and there's so much more freedom um you know you don't have to stay in that job for 50 years you have so many other options and uh it's it's it's, it's pretty cool but it's pretty challenging as as well you know it's it's it's, it's pretty hard especially if you want to take that entrepreneurial road uh it's not easy and so you have that's why i think it's super important whatever you do you have to do something that makes you genuinely happy and that you care about at the end of the day. You don't want to do something that you just kind of, you, you want to do it for the followers or you want to do it for the fame. You want to make sure you're doing something that genuinely is is in your wheelhouse and that you enjoy waking up doing every day. Yeah, there's a great example of that. I, I think, are you familiar with Rich Dad, Poor Dad? 
that book. Oh yeah, from Robert early, Kiyosaki. Yep. Yeah, from early two thousand. Um, mm-hmm. I actually listened to that recently again, and there's some interesting points in there that still apply. But uh, there was a a little story. It was kind of more of like an anecdote, but it's this fisherman that's living on an island with his family, and he catches enough fish to provide for his family and he gets to hang out with his kids all day gets to hang out with his family all day and then this businessman comes to his island and he's like if you if you want you can take a loan out and you can make this into like a fishing uh refinery or processing plant and you can catch hundreds more fish every day and we can grow you can make a lot of money and at the end of the day, then you can retire and hang out with your family. And the fisherman is just like, but I do that now. Why would I change? And the businessman's like, well, that way you can contribute to society. And that is where I think the societal norms are changing is that we're not necessarily wanting to, we're figuring out that we want to do what's what we want to do, what's right for us or what makes right. us happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with you, Elliot. I think it's we're living in a culture now where people want to, they're maybe a little bit more selfish. It's my happiness and not necessarily um, the happiness to, that society thinks I should feel, if that makes sense. But um, I was sort of wondering, Grant, if we could hear maybe some of your personal experiences because you sort of have this figured out, right? And you just mentioned not too long ago um, how to make money on the road, right? So that's sort of the first step that needs to be needs to be made if you're going to transition into this lifestyle. Uh, and I wanted to hear some of your recommendations on how someone could do that. Sure. Yeah. Well, first off, you know, I'm still figuring things out as well as it goes on. I I really wouldn't say that I have you know 100% figured out yet. I think to, for the most part, it's all a journey for me right now. Because this is new, right? It's only been going on for not even a year yet. Um, so I'm still processing things and figuring out how it works. Uh, but and going back to what you're saying, making money on the road, um, I've noticed this too. There's different there's different types of like travel bloggers where if they're doing traveling and finance, there's those that will just genuinely live on the road. Like they, they will travel and live in other places, whether they're teaching English in other countries or, uh, you know, they're doing different collaborations with hotels. It's allowing them to just go from country to country. Whereas for me, I'm a little bit different. I, I kind of do a travel and then come back to where I'm based at and then continue work and save money and then I'll travel and just repeat the process. Uh, and like I said, I'm still trying to figure some things out, definitely as far as how to monetize different avenues. Um, so, like, there's still some things that I'm in the works on right now. But as far as making money... That, that say you're really miserable in your job and you're you're kind of in my boat right like you just want to leave you just can't do it anymore and you don't have a lot of you don't have a family or loans or anything really holding you back uh guys i can't tell you how much money you can make just by flipping things and this sounds really like too easy to be true but gary v i, I didn't start doing this until gary v really talked about it and then i did it and i wound up doing it pretty constantly and I mean, I made about four grand in a month at one point because it's just like you wouldn't believe the stuff that people will buy. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it sounds funny, but like I'm serious. Like I would just and, and honestly, for those people, I would say start from your own home. Like you wouldn't believe the and, and this is a, a personal finance thing. You wouldn't believe the amount of crap that people buy that they don't use. 
It's absolutely yeah. amazing the stuff that you'll find in your own home that you don't use as much as you thought you would. And so if you just go by and you get that stuff and you you wind up selling it and just starting at your house, I mean, you could get hundreds to thousands of dollars just right there. It's it's amazing. It really is. Do you remember the, did you ever watch The Office, first of all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's an episode, I think it was when they had the casino party in the warehouse and Dwight starts out he won like a pen or something and his goal the rest of the evening was to continue to trading trade up. up yep <laughs> the, the <laughs> and, magic beans <laughs> and then the magic beans yeah <coughs> yeah that's what i envision with the with the flipping is i mean i know personally my wife and i we try to keep as like i'm looking around right now <laughs> oh yeah recording yeah, the video yeah. but usually when i like, say that people start looking around and they're like oh their mind starts like the clock starts going in their head and they're like okay well i'm sure i can find some stuff yeah well but dude like i'm dead serious you can probably find some things right there in your room that i know you i'm looking at a sell. box i haven't looked through since i moved into our townhome like two years ago but we try yeah. not like there's some stuff around the house we try not to buy any stuff we don't really need but I know yeah. there's stuff we have that we don't use. Like every year we try to mm -hmm. go through and figure out what stuff we don't need and either get rid of it or donate it. And and it's easier than ever to flip things now. Facebook Marketplace oh, yeah. is one of the greatest tools uh, for doing this. I've done it with a ton of stuff um, and it's all set up for you. All you have to do is post the pictures of the item, come up with a price and then just you know, hit post and you'll get messages constantly, quickly. And then it's a matter of negotiating it and actually meeting to make the, the sale. So, yeah, so I like I like this. Uh, I've made money doing it quite easily. And you could start at the home. Now, once you're done in your home and you've sold everything, <laughs> you know, that you don't need that. What's now, the next step? Yeah, what's the next step? Yeah, yeah and, and here comes where like people actually have to get off their butt and start doing some work. Because people think, oh, I can just flip. I'm just going to kind of go out to TJ Maxx and buy a few things. And then usually what happens is is that they get burnt out, right? They, they don't want to put in that extra effort to keep on doing it. And this is what separates those that are successful at it from those that aren't. Because if you really want to make some – and there's some great money in this – you got to go out every day, be the first person at the flea markets, be the first person at the garage sales. You got to go in and find items and have your phone on you and look at items on eBay and see how much they're going for. And if you can make money off of it and buy it for, you know, two, three, four or five dollars and sell it for 20. I mean, I, I, I was it two weeks ago. I bought an item as a toy and it was like three dollars and I wound up selling it for about close to 30, you know, with shipping. But it's just like, look at the that profit margin right there off of, what, a minute of just looking around. And you have, but you have to do it, you have to be consistent at it. You have to do it every every day. You always have to be going out looking for stuff. And that's not the only avenue. I'm, I, I can speak about some more, but flipping is a great place to start. It's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's probably, in my mind, one of the top places to start if you want to make some side money. And, and almost anybody can do it. This day, most people have phones. Most people have access to Wi-Fi. Most people can get it, get to you know a flea market or I, a TJ Maxx. And I, I didn't realize it. Would that be an option? In my mind, it was only purchasing things in flea markets. But I guess thinking about it now, the stores like TJ Maxx or Marshalls they do sell things pretty cheap, and they're and I could see how that would work. So that's interesting. Shoes, shoes have usually been pretty good for places like that. Uh, but you can look on eBay and, and decide 
what's you know pretty hot. I, I and you make mistakes. I've bought items that didn't sell. You know that that were were as you know I'd like to say just complete duds. But yeah, I know some people do an Amazon store, so they'll do like e-commerce where they buy from China and flip and resell. And obviously it's in bulk, so they'll they'll spend a lot of money buying from China and then reselling it in America and making thousands of you know thousands of dollars of profit off this. So there's there's ways. There's ways to do it. You just have to think outside the box and you have to be consistent and you have to work hard at it. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that is like the definition of business, right? That everyone kind of colloquially says is that it's you buy something and you sell it for more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just the stocks, you know, you buy it, you buy it and you you hope to resell it at a higher price and you can make money shorting them. That's a different discussion. Uh, But (laughs) it's, it's, the point is, is that there's a lot of money to be made. But my, my thing is, is that before you start flipping, before you start trying to figure out different avenues, before you leave your job, number one, hands down, just make sure you've got your own finances under control. And that's, that's the biggest thing for me with people is, you know, do I think a budget is required? No, because I think some people are consciously just really good at their finances. But I think for the most part, like budgeting is such an important thing to do because at that point you can see what you spend. You can see what you need to cut out and you know what you spend the most on. And at that point, you're able to really plan out your life ahead once you've got your own finances under control. So for me, number one, it's always budgeting um, for sure. Before you you do anything, you got to make sure you got your own finances under control. Right. I feel like we should. I feel like we should just add something here. You know, if you are listening to this, what we're speaking of isn't necessarily what's going to work for everybody. You need to, you know, evaluate your own situation and make sure that you have your own debts in order. Uh, this is what has worked for Grant. This is what will work for us. But it's not necessarily just as broad as, broad as this is how it works. Right. And I mean, there are so many, there are so many available platforms to monitor your budget and monitoring your budget, I think is important for everyone, especially if they want to try to save more for anything, even if, I mean, obviously for us and those listening, they're probably trying to save more for travel specifically. Right. But even if they're not like this is, there are retirement planners out there that will calculate your social security. You can add in like children's college tuition and the cost of a house or the cost to have kids up until they're 18. It's, we live in an age where we have so much information and so much technology at our fingertips that we can pretty much do and plan for anything, even though the future is fairly unpredictable. Yeah, you know, for the, for, for the, the, cause like you said, it's going to be predominantly travelers listening in on this. And for me, you know, every person is, is different. So a budget is going to look completely different for me than it will look for you guys. But the, the holistically, the point is, is track your revenues and track your expenses. It, it just boils down to, you know, that simple look what's coming in and then look what's coming out. And I wrote a blog on this and I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of this guy, but his name's Ramit Sethi. I don't know if you've heard of him before, but it's about this topic called money dials. And it's pretty interesting um, because not a lot of us think about this, but there's always basically a money dial is one or two items that we tend to spend the most on. And so for your audience and for me, a money dial might be travel, right? So if we budgeted out what we spend the most on every month, 
for people who has traveling as their money dial, most of their money will predominantly go towards things that encompass around traveling. You know, you might have some car collectors. Their money dial might be cars because they prefer to spend majority of their money on stuff that has to do with automobiles or motorcycles. And so what you can do is once you budget out and you figure out what your money dial is, that helps you wind down money from other areas that you don't really need and put that money towards your money dial. Because that's in the end, that's what you spend the most on. That's what makes you the most happy. So if you're a traveler, you might think, oh, well, budget's not really for me. Well, to me, even travelers should budget it out because they may find themselves spending money on things that they might look back on and say, oh, well, I don't really... You know, I don't really need all this stuff. I could sell that and put more money towards traveling. But just having a having that budget in front of you, having that visual always always helps, no matter what background you're in or what you're you're trying to do. I always think it's it's good unless you're just one of those that are just this just consciously, you know, you don't really need it. You're just you're you always kind of know what to spend money on and what not to. Yeah. We've had we've had several people on even traveling still requires not budget planning for the actual trip, but budget planning while on the trip. So mm-hmm. we've had our actual first podcast was some girl, one of my friends from college that bike packed 900 miles in Chile. Nice. And she was telling us how much she spent per day and she was trying to budget that for food and for water and yeah. any kind of lodging that she might have wanted. Yeah. Um, and then we had another couple that has been traveling the world for seven years now. Is that right, Bob? Honey Trek? Yeah. Yeah, they started their honeymoon uh, seven years ago, and they have not been back. And they actually, yeah, they turned it into a blog, and now that's how they're they're making money. Yeah. Um, they write books for National Geographic. It snowballed into this, into a business. And yeah. so why come back? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, and they, yeah, no, I it, mean, they're it, fairly frugal. So they, uh-huh. they kind of track their daily budgets for how much yeah. it costs to actually live daily in different yeah. countries it's kind of cool yeah and see that this is this is a this is a big thing too when you're talking about different countries and, and from a finance perspective one one thing that i always tell people to be conscious of is the exchange rates and that's to to, to people going you know whether it's to south america or europe it's easy just to get there and exchange your money um but i always try to test push that further and i always try to teach travelers okay well not just know where to exchange your money and where to get the best rate at, whether it's at the airport or outside the airport. It's understanding what actually influences the exchange rates in the first place. And so I always try to challenge people to think further and to say, okay, well, what might impact my travel going forward? Because um, exchange rates, can, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to talk about like interest rate parity or like all these super complex like, you know, financial topics, like I try to just to hit it on the surface level. I try just to make people realize for, for their own, you know, benefit, not, not just because I want to, you know, f- for my personal gain, I want people to realize going forward because that way they can help others is to say, okay, well, you know, what's going to, if I'm going to Japan and five months, what's going to impact, you know, the currency there, you know, how does it change? Is it pegged to the U S dollar? What does pegging even mean? Um, you know, what, it's just important to understand the factors that go that's behind the scenes in terms of interest rates than just knowing the interest rate, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, all right. I want to, I want to shift gears a little bit and get into more of the finance side of it. So it seems from all of the people we've talked to, 
Mm-hmm. And from Bob and I's perspective, there really isn't a middle ground. It's either quit your nine to five or keep your nine to five and only be able to travel once or twice a year. There's not like a six months on, six months off. And yeah. most people tend to be worried about like coverage and insurance, like healthcare. Yeah. yeah. Um, so say, take Bob and I, for example, we both work a regular nine to five job, 40 to 50 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And we have maybe three weeks off every year. We're trying yeah. to save money for a trip and we want to do it kind of passively. We don't necessarily want to put in extra work to make some side money. Um, are there any kind of funds out there like certificates of deposits or higher <coughs> interest rates yeah. Yeah. that are more liquid that you can pull out of without penalty? Yeah. So, you know, and I, I've actually gotten some questions about this too in terms of student loans because people were wanting to know if there was ways that they could pay off their student loans faster, uh, if there's different investments that they could put their money in that could help them pay off their loans. And unfortunately, you know, and, and I would like to add a disclaimer, I am not like a certified professional just because I don't, I, it, if you make a recommendation and someone does it and then it winds up tanking, they can sue the other person. So like, I always try to make that 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 you know, disclaimer out there is that I'm not, this is just my own opinion. Uh, it's not professional advice. Um, but, you know, my answer to that would be it's difficult because a lot of these savings accounts, these CDs give you interests that are really low, especially savings account. I, personally, I I actually don't have a savings um, because I can, I, there's so many more ways that you could earn more interest than like 0.001 or whatever. I don't even know the exact thing because I don't even look in the savings account because yeah, it's just a waste of my time. Which is lower but than the inflation rates. So you're actually losing money. You're, you're, it's, it's just like I see why people do it because of savings, right, in case something happens. But I, I would prefer just, um, I mean, just you can almost just hold it, um, just save. What I'll do, actually, I always keep a 1000 Like I'll keep a grand always just for – safety just in case something ever i won't put it into a savings account i'll just always have a grand on me just in case something ever came up um and this is different it's different for different people like that might not work for someone but for me it's just i just don't see the point in the savings account but to answer your question um you know cds offer definitely you can have up to actually pretty long-term cds um but the interest rate is better than a savings account uh but still not that great you know so f- for someone that wants to get some money that doesn't want to put in that work outside of the nine to five, it's, it's going to be pretty hard because a lot of these avenues um, are, are pretty, it's, it's either, you know, you're going to put your money away and earn not a lot of interest um, or, you know, you're, you, you got to find that time outside of that nine to five to go and hustle and put in the work to get some extra money. Uh, it's, it's, I always tell people, you know, they ask me, what about the stock market? You know, can I put money in the stock market and make a lot in, let's say, a year if we want to travel in a year? Like, I'm not a fan of day trading. And I'll, I'll tell people that a lot because these costs, you know, the, the fees that it costs to buy and sell securities eat up your return. And unless you're worth, unless you're trading over 100 grand or a lot of money, uh, it's, it's, it's really hard for someone to say with $5,000 to day trade and make a lot of money in a year, just because of the, the, the fees, um, that are, that are involved in that. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's pretty hard guys. I, I think it's, it, it's definitely easier for me 
to put in that time early in the morning or outside of work, uh, flipping or, you know, going out or doing other odd jobs and just, you know, having to put in that work, but getting money. Cause you'll, you'll, you'll earn more doing that than you would be if you had a CD or a savings account. <clears throat> right. So it seems it's supplemental. You, you recommend someone go out and figure out a new way to make additional money that's, and then just have that as supplemental income. Yeah. I mean, the, the, like there's, I, I have friends that have this, that invest in the stock market and stocks that have high dividends. So every month the, the, they'll, they'll receive, you know, maybe a hundred or $200 off of just dividends itself. Um, but playing off the stock, the stock market for me is a long-term thing. So I, I, I never put in money and plan on taking that out within a month. I'm always in it for the long haul. Uh, and I love it when crashes happen. You know, when 09 happened, I, I bought the crap out of stuff. It's a fire sale. Uh, and, made, and, and, and yeah, made a lot of money. But see, the, that's the interesting thing about behavioral finance is that most people sell. Most people sell off when stuff like this happens because they're either nearing retirement and they can't afford that hit. But my message is, man, if you're, if you're you know, below 40, then you can weather the storm, probably one or two storms. Like you've got plenty of time, especially for someone in their 20s like myself uh, you know, I, I, if a stock market's plummeting, oh man, like you need to sell, like this is your, your 401k or your IRA, your Roth IRA is going to get wiped out. I'm like, I, I could care less. Like, I don't, I don't even look at the market every day. Like, and, and it's me. I actually don't like it when people do that because it's a mental thing and it really wears you out unless you're a trader or you're in the business of this. I don't even recommend people looking at it every day because it just it stresses you out. <laughs> yeah, it is. It definitely does stress you out. Um, I think it's uh, very interesting, the whole stock market and the behavioral finance world. Yeah, um, yeah. So like my wife and I were just throwing everything into 401ks. We have a little bit in individual stocks, but we don't, it's yeah. all, it's all long-term. Yeah. Uh, well, here's my, here's my thing. And, and, and here's, sorry to interrupt you, man. No, that's good. <laughs> eventually, and, and, and I'm not trying to be like condescending or like talking down. Eventually a 401k will not be enough. Eventually, eventually you're going to have to have more than a 401k. So you're going to have to have a 401k, an IRA or a Roth IRA, a brokerage account, but in my mind, you need to, you need, if, even if it's this podcast or for those listeners out there that have something that they're trying to build into a full-time business, man, if you're passionate about doing it, put in 150% into doing that and figure out ways and figure out a way to monetize it and just keep on pushing out there. Use different social media streams, keep on pushing good content and also maximizing out your investments. So not just the 401k, I mean, utilizing everything. And you might have to live like, you know, in a closet, <laughs> but if that, if, if that's what it takes, then that's what you have to do. Cause going back to what we said at the beginning, dude, so many people buy these freaking five bedroom houses and they use two and they'll have a BMW because the guy next to them bought an Audi and they really want to one up the person next to them. And so they'll go out and buy a BMW with like two extra bedrooms that they're like, Oh, well, I'm just going to turn this one into an office, I guess. Like they don't even they don't even know what to do with it, so they're just going to turn it into something else. And it's like, man, sell the house and downsize, and sell the car and just get a regular car that just gets you from A to B, and use that money to put towards your investments because compound interest works to your advantage, man. If you if you invest ten thousand dollars at twenty and you just leave that 
averaging out maybe 8% return, that's a lot of money at 65. Oh a my lot God, of yeah. money. Well, the money that you they, could have just saved from a BMW, you could have just put aside and wind up making over a hundred grand by the time that you're 65. Oh, there's so many articles that show that if you invest that 10,000 when you're 20 versus investing 10,000 when you're 30 and a thousand every year after that, you still yeah. have more money from oh, yeah, yeah. investing only the 10,000 yeah. at 20. And yeah. one of the, so I wanted to bring this up earlier, but there's mm-hmm. this thing that I saw for travel and it's also, again, just general saving tip and it's the 52 week money challenge have you heard of that i have not what's the basically you start the first week of the year and you save a dollar and every subsequent week you increase that by another dollar so the second Uh week you save two dollars and now you're up to three and by the end of the year you've ended up saving almost fourteen hundred dollars and for some people that's an interesting it's a more of a behavioral thing like it's yeah it's easy to thing. increase it every week yeah. by a dollar like oh i can i can spare a cup yeah. of coffee yeah absolutely and, and to the to the travelers that are are listening um just outside of flipping things and budgeting like i would recommend also joining facebook groups or joining sites that may offer cheaper flight discounts as well because there's a lot of those out there that that can save you hundreds of dollars on flights and here's the thing for me <coughs> excuse me is a good way to save money that I never really thought uh, until I started doing it, but it's traveling during the off season at certain places because I could, I, I could save a hell of a lot of more money by going to Miami in February and January. Sure. The beaches might not be as packed. It's not the same, but if budgeting is something that concerns you, you can save a lot of money and also, hotels are willing to do more collaborations with you during this offseason as well. So there, there's there's tons of different avenues to travel, you know, because that's what I did personally. Because I've I've done some good collaborations with like the Omni. Uh, I have one at the Hotel Indigo in Memphis. It's a new hotel that just opened up. I'm doing a collaboration with them in two weeks. Um, but for those people that are interested in doing something like that, a lot of times they're these hotels are interested. If it's in the off season, they're more willing. Let me put it that way. They're more willing to do stuff with you, and you can save a lot of money if you just choose to go a couple months earlier. Can you actually explain the process uh, for reaching out to these hotels and collaborating with them? Yeah, yeah, sir. So this is something that I didn't do for a while because my following was kind of down, um, and I, I heard the grapevine that you should wait until you kind of build up an audience. But around, you know. 8,000 to when I got to about eight, 10,000 subscribers, uh, I just started reaching out. I mean, I had an email that, you know, kind of went into my background and went into my engagement rate and it would go into, you know, what I could offer them because this is a big thing. And this is to the listeners as well. Always make sure that you can offer value to the other person. So if, if you're going to want to do a collaboration, don't just ask for them to give you stuff and then leave it at that. Like always ask, always make sure you tell them something that you could do for the hotel as well. So if I'm doing a collaboration with the Omni Dallas, which I think it's a three night one I'm doing in March, it's okay. Well, thank you, you know, obviously for the collaboration. In turn, I will, you know, post pictures, write a blog. Uh, I also, and this is something for those that are listening um, as well, do sit down with the people that give you the collaboration. Like have dinner with them or have lunch with them or have coffee 
you know, meet face to face with the people that, you know, reached out that olive branch to you and build up that connection with them. So don't just do the collaboration and then just leave, you know, great say, thank you, write the email, actually put in the time and effort to meet with them face to face if they can and build that relationship. Because going forward, you know, it's I, I, coming from the financial industry, because this was pretty big, it's keeping those connections and building those. And so if you're going to do collaborations with someone, you know, always make sure you introduce yourself and, and, and build that personal relationship. And so, yeah, you, so you reach out to them via email initially, uh, you, you, you stay at their hotel. I mean, once you come to an agreement, you stay at their hotel that, that real quick, that actually brings me to, I think something that Gary V had said, where it's ask, 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 or no, I'm sorry. It's give, 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 and then ask if you can take. Yeah. Cause at, at first it's, it's so true, man. At first I actually didn't get them for free. Like I actually had to pay still to stay but I did it anyways because it's a start, right? And, you know, the big thing is is that you're also going to get turned down a lot. So, like, especially at first, I got so many messages where they're like, we're not interested. Um, most of the time they were nice. But, you know, sometimes it would be pretty blatant, like, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like, we're good. Uh, but it, it, you just have to be persistent at it. And, you, I built that skill up from being able to take that from the finance industry, right? So it was, uh, you know, it's a pretty dog-eat-dog world. So it, even in equity research, I'd have to call up companies and, and kind of gauge the macroeconomic health uh, in whatever sector I was covering. And there'd be times where I'd call up and be like, hey, man, you know, I just want to, you know, you sell a lot of RVs and you'd be told to like F off, you know, just like right off the bat. And you'd get this a lot. And it's the same thing when you're trying to do collaborations. You're going to get told no. Like, don't go into it expecting every time it's going to be a yes. You're, you're going to have some pushback. Uh, but it's just you just got to keep going. Like you said, you just have to keep on, you know, putting your content out there and providing your value uh, to the, con you know, to the consumer and to the people you're wanting to collaborate with. And it goes a long way. I think that's one of the biggest things with, we're learning through the podcast as well yeah. because we've been doing this for six months and the thing we keep on hearing is just perseverance yeah. and continuing and keeping with it, putting out good content and just staying in touch with the, our listeners yeah. and our community. And as with anything in life, like I, I don't know if it's – I can't generalize the millennials as wanting everything immediately. We do have a sense of – everything at our fingertips and instant gratification yeah. with the likes on Facebook, with the likes on Instagram, oh, yeah. with social oh, yeah. media, everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, we can pretty much get whatever we want. I mean, Netflix even, like you don't have to wait for a TV show to come on every other week or every week. And there's just this idea that yeah. we should get what we want now. Oh, so and true. And that applies so to jobs yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, do you remember or are you familiar with Simon Sinek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he he's done a lot of research on millennials and millennials in the workforce, mm -hmm. and most millennials will sometimes like quit uh, their main job after like six to eight months because yeah. they don't feel like they're making yeah. enough of an impact right. or getting Absolutely. paid enough. Yeah, and that, and that that goes that goes. I always tell you know when someone's really miserable, and I've had friends, I've I've had actually hundreds of people from Instagram message me that they're just miserable in their job, right? They, they can't take it. And my thing is, okay, well, I always ask them, 
Are you miserable because you feel entitled to enjoy every day? Or are you miserable because you're genuinely depressed at what you're doing? Because there's a difference. And this is an important thing that you, the person has to understand themselves is, okay, well, I want to go into work every day. I want to wake up every day feeling like it's going to be awesome. Well, you know, tough news, you're going to be broken a lot if that's how you're going into every day. Because there's going to be days that you're going to wake up and it's, let's say you're doing something you're passionate about. There's going to be hard days at doing that. So don't quit. Don't leave something because you feel entitled. You know, the only reason I did it was because every day was depression. Every single day. And in both jobs. So, like, it, it wasn't a feeling of entitlement. It was genuine, you know, misery. Th- misery. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, yeah. that, that and, and honestly, it was some more personal stuff I thought about, like, Part of me was like, did I go into finance for the wrong reason? Um, I always believe everything was, you know, everything kind of works out. I believe everything was a reason in the end. Uh, but I thought that, you know, for a while. Um, but then I, I, I realized maybe I can use that to help other people, you know, that are either traveling or, um, you know, if, even if they're not traveling, let's just say that they want to do something else. Like I want to help them out, you know, financially and, and give them the knowledge that they need because there, there, there's, I think so many people don't know, and even you guys might not know, like the relationship between like a bond price and interest rates. And for me, like this should be pretty standard for people that are older that have a lot of investments in fixed income. But like even understanding that, like I've seen so many people, they don't know, like they just don't know this. And so that's why like I started doing this and, and going back to your point, man. Yeah, like people... People want that instant gratification, right? Like the, the, even in your podcast, there might be people that are doing podcasts that want to hit millions of listeners in the first month and they don't hit it. They don't hit it. And they're <laughs> I like, wouldn't mind that. That was, that was definitely <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, they, don't, they don't hit it. And they're like, crap, should I do something else? And then they wind up leaving and doing something else. And it's like, man, you know, there are, I think there's probably some that, that, you know, might make a viral video and it's easier, right? Like they'll, they'll throw a pine cone at a cat or something stupid and like get a million followers in like a week. <laughs> and you know, the rest of us are like working that. our butts off trying to get like 10,000, you know? So it's, it's, it's hard, but I think people have well, to like understand the that. Yeah. I mean, the, the freaking egg, egg man. Like, What is that? Like, I don't, but that goes to show you like how stuff like this can happen overnight. Like it's crazy. But you know, my thing is, and even for you guys, like you guys are awesome at doing this. At least I, I think so. But like, you got to keep on doing it. Like, you got to keep on pushing it, and don't let people tell you guys, like, oh, like podcasting's hard. Like, you guys, you're gonna, you know, it's gonna be challenging. I don't know if y'all should do that. And y'all might have gotten that before. Y'all might have had people tell y'all, like, I don't know if y'all should be doing that. But my thing is, man, if you if you guys like podcasting, this is y'all's thing. Then like, screw what those people say. Like, seriously, like it's it's that easy. Yeah. Just screw them. And Debbie Downer. Yeah, I know. Like, it, and Gary V touched on this, guys, and this was huge to me. Like, if someone, and this is important for the listeners out there that might have gotten this flack from other people, if someone literally has the time to go out of their way to criticize you and, and condescend you, like, that shows how screwed up their life is. Like, really, like, when you really think about it, if they have the time and effort to go out of their way and say something bad about you, like that should make you feel sorry for them. Like you shouldn't feel sorry for yourself. You shouldn't be cut down. You shouldn't feel alone. Like you should feel sorry for that person because they obviously have some issues in their life if they're stooping down that low. 
so yeah, guys, it's it's, it's going to be like instant gratification stuff that we want, and it's 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 I think that's natural to us humans, especially nowadays. But I mean, this stuff takes time, and it takes hard work, and it takes well more than hard work. Because, you know, you can have an auto mechanic that works hard, but still does the same thing. It, it just, it takes working, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to put it, I guess. Just persistence. Yeah, it, working, yeah, yeah. It, it, you have to have persistence in some kind of break, Yeah, it seems. Well, and I think for, for those listening, for those travelers listening that want to come up with a side hustle to make more money to travel, it it's, you need to know that these side hustles even if there's tons of other people doing it, that just means that there's a market for it. And you do need to just stay steady the course and just continue to just churn out content. That's really what it comes down to, right? It's just a matter of producing content. Or something that you enjoy doing. It might not be a podcast. It might not be a blog. Yeah. It might just be art that you're selling on yeah. a t-shirt site and selling those t-shirts and getting like a 20% return yeah oh and there's ways guys like you can monetize you can monetize almost anything nowadays it's just it's, you, yeah. you having to put in that extra time and effort whether it's i have a good friend actually that's um well i wouldn't say good friend but he's a friend but he started a finance um kind of blo- thing on instagram where he just posts pictures of different financial topics but he stays up to like three in the morning like every day just pumping making sure that he has good content for you know his viewers and i think a lot of people misunderstand this they'll say well i i want to start an instagram page like travel blogging like let's say myself you know like i want to do this i think people get so wrapped up in the views and the followers they get they get they they start oh, yeah. seeing oh I, why am i not going past four thousand? this is just useless I, I, sh- I should quit you know this is dumb well you know you gotta know there there's other travel bloggers out there you just have to make sure you continue to work hard at it and you push out content that brings value to the consumer. And the end, that's what it's all about. You want other people to watch your story from end to end, not just five yeah. seconds of it, because the algorithm will not, you know, that's how videos go viral. It won't, you won't be seen by many people if they only watch two seconds of your video. So, like, make good content for the end consumer. You know, don't go chasing the followers. Don't go chasing the likes. Make sure you're, and that will show if that that's going to show in people that are doing it because they want to be famous, and those that are doing it because they're genuinely passionate about it. Yeah. Eventually, that eventually that's going to show. You're you're yeah. going to get you're going to get seen at some point. You're going to get you're going to get <laughs> uncovered. Right. People, <laughs> you know, if you're trying to create a side hustle, you shouldn't assume that just because there's already a lot of content out there that your content won't also get seen, especially in today's age of people on Netflix. That We live in a world that has just a ton of content and people are absorbing as much as they possibly can. If someone's into a travel podcast, they're more than likely to listen to more than one travel podcast. So I don't think, I think it's important for people not to get frustrated and just assume that their market is oversaturated and therefore give up. Who knows? You could provide a unique perspective that is missing from that market that then people will then, you know, just take on. You, you go into a market and you're going to, you're going to add to it from your own perspective and from your own life experiences. And someone really could find that very insightful. So I encourage anybody listening that if you have this this idea, whether it's you know a YouTube channel, Instagram page, whatever it is, you should go for it, push, and don't give up. You need to do it. I mean, at least a few years. Just if you enjoy it, a few years will be nothing. 
And who knows what could what it could snowball into. And going into that, great point. But, and going on to that as well is is use utilize the other chance. Chan- and this is harder in pra- in practice. It's easy to say it. And the reason like the reason why people like Gary Vee are successful with this is because they have hundreds of employees that can help you know do this. And obviously, like it's it's you hear them and you're like, oh well, I'm going to use Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and it's going to be great. I'm going to push content. You're going to get burned out really fast because that's a lot of work. You know, he has a huge company, and that's why he's able to do that. But going to what you're saying as far as the content, like use as many different platforms as you can, though. And I, I do think there is some truth to that. Um, you know, I think audio is, is is really important, like what we're doing with a podcast, because people can take this with them and listen, um, you know, outside of Instagram, which is more of a visual thing, or YouTube. But like the podcast, I think is huge. I think going forward, podcasting is going to be definitely uh, a big thing. And I love what you guys are doing. Uh, but it's it's it, it definitely I would do more than just an Instagram. You know, I, I would always say to those people that are listening, if you're utilizing just Instagram, like that's awesome. And if you're successful at it, great. But use maybe think about using a Twitter or opening up a YouTube and doing a vlog, or you know, do different things that could help you know, bring traffic in from other sites, you know, instead of just using one. Yeah. yeah. Well, the issue with uh, YouTube is that Bob and I have radio faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We... No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy that. Come on, guys. <laughs> it's, um, it's, hard for, it's hard for me. Like, do you, do you know, like, how, how difficult it was at first? Because I, like, I, I have a very young-looking face. Like, I don't have facial hair. And so people will all the time question, they'll be like, you know, especially when I started at the bank, like they thought I was some other person's son, like someone that was because <laughs> oh, wow. I look so young. And it's like, no, you know, I'm, I'm 27 now, about to turn 28. But it's like, uh, you know, you know, I, and, and for those of you out there that don't do video, you bring up a good point that don't do video because, you know, they're afraid of the way they look like just get that crap out of your mind. Like, seriously, like you're, you're going to have such a harder future in life if you keep on letting other people's opinions be the reason why you don't explore a different avenue so if you want to do youtube but you're like i don't want to do youtube because like i just don't know if i look the part kind of like you're saying like my (laughs) message is like screw that like do it anyway but you'll find that if you do it like you'll you'll be more comfortable like in the end i think it's always worth it because you, you kind of learn to brave up and say, all right, well, screw what those other people think. And that really helps you going forward in life as well. So I think if like YouTube is something that you guys have thought about, like, but don't because, you know, maybe the way that y'all think like, oh, I don't know if we have the face for it. <laughs> and like, I'd say go for it. Like, yeah, we can do that crap, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, who cares? Who cares what other people think? Like, that, that's such a tough, but it's tough. It's tough to, to, to get past that point because a lot of people do, in all seriousness, a lot of people do have trouble with this. And there are probably some listeners that might as well. Like, they don't do certain things because they're afraid of what other people might say. And the sooner you learn to overcome that, the the easier life is going forward. So, so much easier. I have a philosophy that, you know, once we start getting criticisms, that's when we know we made it. I'm looking forward to them. You know what I mean? I am too. I, I'm looking yeah. forward to them. I'm I'm ready to embrace them. You know, Bob sounds like an idiot. Whatever they want to say, once <laughs> those start coming in, I know we're making an impact. So 
I'm I'm all for it. Bring them on. You're yeah. This yeah. gonna happen. Like it. Yeah. There's they're they're always out there, and there's not one thing that you can do that you're gonna hide from it. Like there's always gonna be haters. You just have to know it, and you have to go into everything that you do, whether it's YouTube or podcasting or whatever, with that in mind, because it's gonna happen. And, and if you're prepared for it and you know how to deal with it, it's gonna make things a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so Grant, we're, we're sort of winding down and we didn't really get to touch up on your travel too much. You're at, you know, your actual travels. So, I mean, Elliot, unless you had another finance question, I was going to. No, no, no. I want I was, that's what I was going to get into. Okay. So you've been to cities across the United States. You actually, you're trying to visit MLB <laughs> stadiums throughout the country. Or basketball, every basketball. I'm sorry. Basketball stadiums. Yeah. And major league basketball, major league basketball. I'm not don't yeah. think that's a thing, but we'll... <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So I, this is a two-part question. One, you know, what's your favorite stadium? What was your favorite fan base and that experience like? And then two, just generally, what has been your favorite city in the country thus far? Okay, okay. Those, these are both awesome questions. Um, so I'll start with the just the favorite city, uh, which actually isn't the answer for the basketball one, so that's good. Uh, but... Yeah, I'm actually part of the plan is to hit every state in the U.S. first before I get outside of the U.S. Um, that's just I kind of wanted to do my you know country first, and then I can expand outside of that. Uh, but I've I've been to you know everyone uh, from Colorado east, so I still kind of have the the West Coast to hit. Uh, you know, going up through uh, I still haven't been to Montana or Wyoming. Uh, Oregon or Washington, you know, those places, but, um, favorite so far, and this is God, man, this is tough. I'm sorry, but like, I, I want to say Philly because of you guys. So, like, <laughs> but, uh, but, but my, my favorite, um, and, we won't be and I, if you don't say I'll, Philly. I, I'll tell you what, I'll make this fair. I won't be biased. So I won't say New York. Cause obviously, you know, I live there, like New York's my, my favorite city, but I, I won't choose New York's because it's not, you know, it's not fair. Uh, outside of New York, um, I thought I thought Maine was really pretty. Uh, I thought thought there's actually Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont. There's actually some really really pretty places to travel and hike up through there. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed Dallas. Actually, this it might seem kind of uh-huh. like a little like lame because the landscape there. Um, you know, I I really like Denver as well, but Dallas just kind of surprised me. Uh, I like the nightlife. Uh, it's, it's good for kind of, you know, people in their 20s and 30s and the uptown area and, you know, Deep Ellum. There's some pretty cool places to go out. And um, I think the girls are really attractive. So, like, obviously, as a single guy, <laughs> like, that's something, you know, pretty pretty big for me. But it was uh, – I, I like I Dallas a pretty good bit. Um, but as far as the NBA, my favorite NBA stadium uh, or arena, uh, I've been to closing in on 10 out of 30. So I haven't been to every one, but I've been to – you know, about one third. Um, my favorite one was actually Oklahoma City Thunder. And wow. the the reason being is because that's all they have, like besides the University of Oklahoma, like it's just the Thunder. And it, the, the, the feeling of community there was so strong. And people were actually like, we went out for drinks at like these bars like people were just inviting other people that they had no idea like who they were. They're just like, we're all going out. Like, let's do it. Like Paul George, <laughs> Paul George was at the same place. Like we went to, and like, he was just drinking, like hanging out with all the other locals. And it's just this feeling of community that was there 
that wasn't at the other places that I've been to as far as the basketball uh, stadiums. And sorry to listeners if y'all are fans of other other people or you hate Oklahoma City. <laughs> I hate to kind of do that, but you know it, it's it was just really cool because um, there's this there's this that community feeling there. So I'll, I would have to say Oklahoma City. Never Interesting. Been. I I haven't been to Oklahoma City, but I, I'll, I'll vouch for Dallas. I did uh, Dallas. It was a very clean city. Did you go to the the area where JFK was shot? Yeah, so you know, went through the whole Dealey Plaza, and um, it's you know, it, it was pretty cool. Uh, I think you know, f- as far as food, because uh, I kind of separate things in categories. Yeah, uh, and if I'm getting short on time, guys, just holler at me. But like, as far as food, um, I-, I thought New Orleans actually kind of had the best the best food. I-, I I think just the cuisine down there was unreal. Uh, I'm into spicy stuff, so like New Orleans definitely was in my top for for the you know for food wise i'll back that up as well yeah 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 i'll third that (laughs) it's got it's got such a different cuisine more than i think more it's more unique than any other city in the u.s you you got new york like you got philly like you've you've got these big cities and i haven't been to la yet so i can't speak on behalf of la uh but at least in the all the other states i've been to like it's all kind of the same. Like you have your stereotypical five star, like Michelin star restaurants, and um, Pittsburgh actually had some pretty cool places when I was in Pittsburgh. Uh, Boston had some pretty cool places as well, but like New Orleans, it's just it was the only place that I've been to so far that felt like I wasn't in the U.S. Like I felt like I was yeah. somewhere else, and the food there was just out of this world. So yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't like we're trying to replicate. France no, or trying yeah, to replicate no, Italy. It is it is New Orleans, Louisiana, oh, Cajun. Yeah. Right. So that's so I can sort of separate in my own mind. I've been to thirty six states, and th- so I sort of separate the country this way. The South, by far, is the best food, and it's their food. It it has cultural significance to that region. The Northeast, our area, has some of the best food in the world because we have some of the best cities in the world. But the food is. It's the the restaurants pulled from other countries, from other you know uh, cultural locations throughout the world, and then you have you know the central portion of the country, the northern northwest, which is my favorite for hiking and just being in the wilderness, and then you have California, which I think some of the best beaches in the world. I love San Diego and that and that Southern California area. But yeah, yeah, I can't wait to visit it. The South is food. So we we actually went to Nashville for my uh, bachelor oh, party. Man. We okay, missed the spicy yeah. chicken sandwich way. though. We hit Broadway. That was the first thing I got. Do you remember that? What's funny is I lived, when I lived in Nashville, I lived in a high-rise apartment right off Broadway. So if you're at an FGL house, like I don't know if y'all went by FGL house, uh, but if like if you're on Broadway and you take a right, like FGL is kind of right there. I lived in a high-rise like right there. Like I was right on Broadway. I live right on Broadway. So I would have all the little beer taverns biking around my apartment complex at like 2 in the morning blasting you know, Despacito by Justin Bieber at like 3 a.m., you know, while they're like pedaling on their little carts. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got, um, I mean. Oh, yeah. There, there, yeah. There's, there, were we there? there there's, there's some We were right places. down that area. Yeah. We, yeah, because you, you remember going to Acme Feed and see? Oh, yeah, right there on the corner. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's like two blocks away from that. Okay. Uh, okay. Right. Well, and yeah, then, yeah. So it's, it's not that far. One of the nights we were there, we went to, I guess, what we were, what was identified to us as the like locals nightlife scene. There was a there was a bar there that had video games. Oh, uh, is, it, uh, is it called the, the Arcade? Row? 
And yeah, I think it was. It was called the arcade. Yeah, we had a great time there. <laughs> we it, yeah. it has all the old school video games in it. And right. It's, kind of, it's by the bridge, I think, if I if I can remember correctly. Yeah. So yeah. they had all the old school games, and Philadelphia has bars like that, but they charge you to play the games. This this place did not charge you to play. No, it was awesome. They had like a Nintendo in there. Right. Too. So the screens behind the bar. They weren't playing, showing sports. They had like an Xbox and a PS4 hooked up. You would just give your credit card. They'd let you hold a controller and you would just be able to play, you know, with the TV behind the bar. Really cool concept. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's a Nashville, you know, definitely has a good nightlight. I, I did a blog on this one as well, actually, like for going out in Nashville and Broadway is definitely like the bachelorette capital of the world. Like bachelorettes <laughs> have their, their parties there, like in masses like constantly mm-hmm. but like, there's other areas like in midtown you know which is which is a really cool area to go but like it, it's just different right so like the 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 culture in the south even as far as dating like people get married a lot younger in the south than they do up north and this is like this dates back this this dates back like centuries ago i mean people that 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 was just the culture and that's just what people did. People always got married younger in the south compared to up north so when i lived in new york i lived in chelsea and it was like, you know, kind of by near Madison Square Garden. And like, it was just totally different nightlife up there than it was, you know, down south. It's just, it's really interesting. That's why traveling is actually really cool because you get to pick up on on these things in different parts of the world, even, you know, not just in the U.S. Right. Um, the understanding of different cultures has always been pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I that's I'm, I'm often jealous of people who live in Europe because they have access to all of these different countries. But at the same time, we live in a country that has, you know, vastly different cultures depending on, on where you are. You know, you look at you talk to someone from southern Louisiana and then get them in a room with a guy from New York City and, you know, a guy from the woods of Oregon. They are going to be so they're going to be just as different as if you got a guy, you know, a guy from France, Spain and, you know, Germany. It's, it's Isn't pretty that so cool. cool though, how we have like a cool that. country. Like, yeah, that, that, that's always that's always super fun. And by the way, like. For you guys, I always was told when you go to Philly, like people are always jerks. And I met some of the coolest people in Philly. Like no one was like, <laughs> I, I, I just, I didn't understand. And they're like, yeah, I mean, cause I had a giant sticker on the back of my car. So I was just waiting for my tires to be punctured or like <laughs> something to happen, you know, but like people in Philly were all super cool. And it was, it was, I was there for like, I mean, I guess about three days, but like it was, it was a great time. And, and, Funny enough, we ate it uh, in, you'll know this, man, it's, it's near the Cambria. I think it was called, uh, this is breakfast place that was two streets over. Um, oh, this is killing me that I, I, I can't think of it. But it's funny because there was this riot, like this political riot that happened the morning that we were about to go eat. And uh, it was like these, this, these two Fox News hosts were out there and like people were throwing water bottles at them and stuff. <laughs> it was like the morning, the morning I was there and it was all over national news and, uh, it was hilarious, but I, man, this is, I, I want to say it, like green eggs cafe or like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If that's the, if that's the place I'm thinking of, it was mm-hmm. kind of right near center of downtown. It's right down Locust from the, yeah, the Cambria. It, it was a great breakfast. I mean, great breakfast. Yeah. Oh, besides they're... the political stuff. <laughs> now they're, people love them. They're very popular. Um, well, dude. You know, if you, if you come back, you have to let us know. Uh, we've told this oh, to yeah. pretty much every guest we've had on to just let us know when you're back in the area because we'll meet up. We'll show you around our city. It'll be and a good same, time. The same if you guys come down south. I, I, like I said at the beginning, though, like I'm thinking about moving 
Um, so like the, I'll, I'll, I don't know how much longer I'll be here, but you know, and for any of those listening as well, if y'all ever come down to Tennessee, be sure to you know DM me through Facebook or something as well. Yeah, so Instagram. That brings me to yeah. So yeah. why don't you provide people with your contact information, your blog, if they need help, they want you know maybe advice on saving, planning for travel in the future. How can they reach you? Yeah, so you can, my blog's just www.crosstraveling.com. And you can, you know, reach out to me on Instagram as well at, you know, Instagram.com slash cross travels. Uh, and then my Twitter is cross travels as well. But, you know, this is, uh, you know, going back to what we were talking about, about having a lot of things on our plate. Like I'm still figuring things out too, you know, and in the grand scheme of things, like I still am a work in progress. And I think for the most part, probably a lot of your listeners are too, and they're probably working through things and, you know, you guys are probably working through things as far as growing the podcast. So like it's, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's in its early stages. Uh, I'm still figuring out the website, you know, trying to figure out how to lay out if it's really, should I put, cause there's a lot of finance stuff out there. If you look at it on my blog about like bonds and I'm in this point right now where I'm like, do travelers really care about, about bonds? Like, should I structure this in a way that's a little bit pertaining more to you know the traveling rather than not like hardcore finance like these guys you know these people aren't taking a professional exam like they're wanting to travel and and save money while they're traveling so like there's still some things i'm I'm working through but for the most part i think uh, i'm trying to bridge that gap between financial literacy and and traveling uh because i think it's super important no matter where in the world you're at learning some of these skills you know never hurts so uh yeah it is a work in progress so uh, I do. If anybody listening does have time to check out his website, he does break down, and I commend you for this, you break down some of the financial terms and understanding of mm -hmm. like bonds and stock market and yeah, other thanks, investments man. very that, that, well. That is a, thank you. It's fairly yeah, easy to read. That. that is a challenge because you know there are travelers that are in parts of the world that don't, the, the, the U.S. stock market does not impact them. You know, so they, not, they might not be invested. They might be based in Belgium. You know, so like knowing about the Federal Reserve in the U.S. or how the stock market works here wouldn't be as knowledgeable to them uh, as it would a traveler that's based in the U.S. So like that is something that I'm working through. And, you know, an idea that I have is possibly bringing on bloggers that are based in other parts of the world. Uh, so to write, you know, for for my blog. And uh, that is something that I'm thinking about, but I, I'm not quite there yet. Uh, but that is a challenge, but, you know, thanks for saying that, but that, that, that is a challenge too, is, is, is going, you know, realizing there's, there is some gaps there and I'm trying to just figure out how to fill those, you know? Awesome, man. Uh, well, we're, we're looking forward to watching you grow. We'll have a growing relationship together moving forward and absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming on our show. It's been really informative. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks a lot. That is our show for today. And just to kind of recap, our overall message here is not necessarily that you should strive to just make more money. That's not the end game in life. Um, we want to make it clear that money does allow you to provide a better quality of life for you and maybe those around you, those that you love. And that's what we're all kind of trying for. And that's what Bob and I are doing with this podcast. And we just really want to increase our quality of life, which means maybe make a little extra money to allow us to travel and experience the world and to make a positive impact on those around us. 
what Grant said uh, in regards to investing may not work for every single person. You can't necessarily apply it to yourself verbatim, but maybe you take one of your things that you're good at and you start to try to make money off of it. I mean, you could take this information and you can twist it to fit your own life and whatever you're going through. Yeah, it's not one shoe fits all, but it's taking this information and using it appropriately to to how you see fitting. In addition to this podcast, Grant has now created the Good Morning Podcast, which is his own platform that he's using for small businesses and entrepreneurs to promote their own brand. He's building this very cool community you know, you're going to be able to bounce ideas off of each other. You're going to be able to hear other people's experiences that may be directly related to what you're going through. So if you're trying to get out of the nine to five, if you're trying to start something new, definitely check it out because there's going to be good information in there for you. Yep. And as always, uh, we do really appreciate the iTunes review. And if you're not an Apple person, maybe you can review us on Radio Public or one of the many other Android-based players. And we'll just catch you next week.